0: As we close in on the end of the calendar year, there is often an increase in charitable giving as uh, individuals look to improve their tax position by increasing their deductions. Uh, Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and and I'm pleased to be back for another edition of our podcast series. And as uh, hinted there, uh, today our attention will be focused on uh, tax issues, particularly tax-exempt status that uh, some organizations hold, And we'll look at a recent change that may have caused some of those uh, entities and organizations to lose that status, and we'll talk about what that means for both, uh, both the organization and those who might choose to be donors to them. Now, that change, whether intentional or not, can certainly have consequences for, for people and corporations who, who want to donate, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Joining me for the conversation is uh, a frequent contributor, um, someone who I'm always glad to have back with us, Attorney Joshua Nesser. Joshua is uh, an associate of Law Limited, where he represents clients in issues like taxes and business disputes and a number of others, and we'll uh, share his knowledge today. So first of all, Joshua, welcome back. Nice to talk to you again.
1: Thanks, Jim. Good to be back.
0: So, as we, as we kind of get rolling today, can you explain to the listeners, first of all, what it means for uh, an entity to have tax-exempt status?
1: Yeah, so a, an entity that is tax-exempt is one that has gone through a pretty uh, in-depth application and registration process with the IRS, and the IRS has approved its application to be tax-exempt, meaning that company does not have to pay federal income taxes. On the other hand, when, it is, when an entity is tax exempt, donations made to those entities, like you said, by individuals or corporations, are tax deductible at the federal level. Um, and it should be noted that being tax, tax exempt is not necessarily the same as being a nonprofit entity. Nonprofit is a state level thing, so while nonprofit and tax exempt usually go together, a company could be tax exempt at the federal level and not necessarily registered as a not for profit agency and vice versa.
0: Okay, well, that was actually going to be my next question because that—that's what came to mind. So, can you, yeah, off the top of your head, can you give me an example of something that's not a not-for-profit but is tax exempt? Maybe would that be like a university, or are there other categories that would be accurate there?
1: I don't know if I can think of necessarily a category off the top of my head, but a lot of times, maybe maybe the state level not-for-profit benefits wouldn't apply to a certain company or wouldn't be valuable to a certain company. So, the, really, they're most interested in not paying the income taxes. So they take the time to, to become tax exempt but really it's not worth it for them to be to receive that not-for-profit designation
0: got it. okay makes sense All right. so now correct me here if, if I'm wrong in this now is it, is it true that in the last year or two there have been some changes in in the reporting process that may have caused some of these groups who, who went through that rigorous approval process at the beginning to lose that designation
1: yeah that is the case um tax, tax exempt entities depending on their size Uh, Now they have to file annual returns reporting their income and expenses, compensation paid out, things like that. So the larger entities have always had to do this, file very detailed, almost like a corporate income tax return each year. The smaller entities, on the other hand, those that in the past made, I think the threshold initially was $20,000 or less each year, those entities that received less than that amount prior to 2007 did not have to file anything on a yearly basis. But starting in 2007, the IRS put a requirement in place that says even these smaller entities have to file an annual information return, which is relatively simple, but it, it takes a step to go online to fill out a form and to send it in. And along with that requirement, the IRS said that any entity that does not file its annual return for three consecutive years will lose its tax-exempt status. So starting in 2010, three years after this kicked in, there were a lot of smaller tax-exempt entities that didn't realize they even had this requirement, of course, didn't file a return for three consecutive years, and all of a sudden got a letter or some type of notice saying that they were no longer tax-exempt.
0: Okay. And and that letter, I assume, came from the IRS. When they receive that or when they lose that status, what, what exactly does that mean to the, uh, to the entity that has now been uh, sort of taken off the list, as it were?
1: Well, the most devastating thing to the entity is that as of the date of that revocation, they are subject to federal income tax. So, when they would be expecting to to get to the end of the year and not owe any money to the federal government, all of a sudden they might have a big bill. That obviously, for a smaller charity or similar organization, that can be financially devastating. Uh, on the flip side of things, individuals who are making donations to that entity. May not have been aware they were donating to an entity that lost its tax exempt status, and at the end of the year they find out that whatever money they donated is no longer tax deductible. So that'll cause a problem for them, and it's obviously not going to help the relationship between the entity and its donors. Who, if it gets reinstated, is hoping to get donations from the future.
0: Yeah, and there's there's a couple things that I certainly want to talk about today, and and take a look at that view from the from the donor side as well. Um, and as, before we get into that, you talked about the, um, the failure to file for three years could, could trigger this uh, loss of status. When that happens, does the IRS notify the entity or alert them to the fact that there's been a change in their status, or, or how would they know, since they didn't know they were supposed to be doing it in some cases in the first place, how, how do they find out and, and what's, uh, what's
1: the method to, that, uh, that they get the notification from? Uh, The IRS will send a letter out to the entity at whatever address it has on file, so hopefully that's the correct address, basically saying you haven't filed a return for three years, so as of X date, whatever the due date for that third consecutive return was, you're no longer tax-exempt. At the same time, the IRS maintains a public list on its website of, or actually two public lists, one of all entities that are currently tax-exempt and two, a list of all entities that have lost that exempt status due to not filing the required returns. That's updated monthly, so before anybody's going to donate to a tax-exempt entity thinking that they're going to get a tax deduction, it's always a good idea to go onto that list on the IRS's website and check and make sure that that is, in fact, an exempt entity and you're not kind of donating without the benefit of getting that tax deduction.
0: If the organization or entity receives that letter from the IRS and is informed of the status. Are they under any obligation to inform its donors outright or is it more uh, up to the donor to have to figure that out on their own?
1: Uh, Legally speaking, there's no obligation. Um, In terms of public relations and and probably the right thing to do, I definitely would suggest if you learn of that um, and somebody's going to make a donation to you, you should let them know what's going on. Otherwise, that could that could cause some serious problems down the line. But no, there's no legal requirement that an entity would have to inform donors or potential donors of the loss of its tax-exempt status. Interesting.
0: Uh, Josh Manesser of uh, Lavelle Law Limited is is who uh, you're hearing from today on Chicago's Legal Latte. Uh, he's providing an update on the designation of tax-exempt status for certain entities. And uh, speaking of of updates, if you follow uh, Joshua at LavelleLaw.com, you'll find his monthly update on IRS practice and procedure uh, under the Media tab, along with other articles that uh, he has authored. Uh, The website also includes some some great content for those of you who are looking for information on, you know, just, boy, just a long list of legal topics, whether it's uh, through the website itself, uh, the many articles there, or archived podcasts that we also keep as well so um definitely visit com if you've got some curiosity about a particular topic now as we return to this topic josh if if um, an organization has lost its status um, what can they do if anything to apply to have it reinstated
1: well unfortunately for for companies that lose their tax exempt status they basically have to start the whole registration process over again um The the form you submit to to request exempt status in the first place is generally a a form 1023, which, like I said, it's it's an in-depth form, it's an in-depth review process. And once that status is lost, you you start from square one and you resubmit a 1023 with updated information. Along with that, you have to submit a new user fee, which, uh, depending on the size of the entity, can be as much as $850. Um, So it's definitely a a time-consuming and costly process when you take into account legal fees and all that goes into it. Um, and it's also good to note that even if your application for reinstatement is accepted, unless you can show the IRS that for some reason something out of your control happened that caused you not to file these returns and, and it wasn't your fault that that happened, um, they will reinstate the tax exempt status as the day you submit that application. So what that's going to do is leave a gap in your exemption from the date it was revoked until the date it was reinstated. Uh, and as we talked about before, that's going to cause two problems. One, the company is going to go owe federal income tax on whatever income it received during that period. And two, the donors who made donations to the entity during that period aren't going to get the tax deduction they would have gotten if those donations were made before the revocation or after the reinstatement. So even if you can get reinstated, there's still a whole set of problems you're going to face um, from a tax perspective.
0: And, and just to be clear, you, you mentioned that the uh, you know it's a fairly lengthy process and form to fill out. Did I hear you say that, um, that the status can be reinstated the day you apply, or the application is sent in, or is there some uh, review process by the IRS before
1: they approve that? Uh, so the review process will take some time. Um, normally, it's going to take at least a few months, and that's whether you're applying as a new entity or, or trying to get a reinstatement. And even some, I think the IRS's goal is to have no applications outstanding for more than 270 days. So you can be looking at nine months, maybe even longer from the day you send the application in. If you do if your reinstatement request is granted, then at the worst, it will be granted as of the date you submitted the application, whether it takes them two, three, four, or five months to review it. And like I said, if if you can show them that the non-compliance in the first place was not your fault, something happened outside of your control. That prevented you from filing the returns, then in certain cases you can have that reinstatement made retroactive to the date of revocation. So it'll almost be like there was no revocation in the first place, which is the goal for most of these organizations that are going through these problems.
0: Sure, sure, but uh, perhaps difficult to, to show that there was no fault. But uh, let's take a minute or two here before we have to go to talk about the the view of the donor. Um, obviously, we we talked about the negative impact of them. Now, if, if uh, I'm a donor and I perhaps on an annual basis, um, send a check off to some organization. and I just sort of do that habitually uh, and never think to check on anything. Once I've made that donation, comes tax time. I get a surprise. Do I have any recourse? Is there anything I can do that um, will kind of help me with that, or am I just out that, uh, that particular deduction that year?
1: Yeah, there wouldn't necessarily be any recourse against, against the entity itself and, of course, not against the IRS. Um, again, what I would always suggest is, even if it's a donation you make every year, even if it's a, a, a well-known organization you're donating to, it can't hurt to go online and look through that IRS list just to make sure the, rev- or the exempt status is still in place. Uh, if you later learn that there was some problem with the exempt status and it has been revoked, you can also go and use that database to determine what date that revocation was made public. Maybe the third return was not filed in April, but if the IRS doesn't make public the revocation until three months later, then for your purposes, what really matters is the date the IRS made it public. Um, So as long as you got your donation in before it was published on the IRS's website, this organization has lost its exempt status, you're good to go. Um, If for some reason, unfortunately, you made the donation after that publication date, then I would say it's a good idea to reach out to the entity itself and say, what's going on here? Do you think this is going to be reinstated? what is the data reinstatement going to be because maybe like we talked about if they get that retroactive reinstatement then it won't be a problem. Um, On the other hand, there are some cases where certainly people that make donations are going to be out of luck. Maybe they donate to an entity that never gets its status reinstated or they donate during a time where the the reinstatement had not occurred yet and unfortunately at the end of the year they're going to be in a position where they're just not going to be able to take that deduction. If you talk to your accountant, your attorney, they may be able to help you out if that puts you in a position where you're subject to penalties and interest. Maybe there's a case to be made that you shouldn't have to pay those, but the tax itself that is created by the lack of that deduction, uh, there's not really anything you can do about that. Okay. Well, important information,
0: um, Wish we could sort of end there with uh, better news, but the fact is, as Joshua said. You know, always make sure that uh, before making donations, uh, certainly sounds like the right step is to visit the IRS website and check. So thanks. Thanks very much, uh, Josh Nestler, for being with me uh, today. Next week, we turn our focus back to family law. Christina Regal will be here, and we'll talk about information on sole custody. Uh, Much like Joshua today, Christina always brings some some great insight and and covers topics in a very easy-to-follow manner. So look forward to that conversation with her, and look forward to having you join us as well. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com.